What's up, people? I'm Jonathan Wiseman. This is another episode of The Grit. Today with me, is it? are you a rocket scientist? I saw something about NASA. I did work at NASA. I have a NASA scientist in here. Close enough to a rocket scientist if he wasn't. <laughs> uh, but I want to get y'all in here. We're going to talk to Brian Sakula about what he's doing right now. Company is HPI. We're going to learn more about HPI in just a second. want to thank y'all for tuning in. and uh, But more importantly, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to learn more about what HPI is, Okay. what it stands for. Tell me exactly what it is. And then I want to go back to the beginning and learn how you got into it and uh, why you're doing what you do now as an entrepreneur. All right. Well, sounds good. Um, HPI stands for Health Performance Institute. Okay. And what I basically do is I kind of work two things. I consult with employers uh, and their employees that are um, have chronic diseases, but mainly focus on those that are pre-diabetic or, or type 2 diabetic. Okay. And uh, if they're pre-diabetic... Uh, I help to keep them from or prevent them from being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Uh, if they're type 2 diabetic, then I work to help them get off of as many of their medications, if not all of them, uh, as possible. Interesting. And so that's one way. And then the other way, uh, the other avenue is just through individuals that come as a referral um, or find my website or find me somehow. Okay. So you do it one-on-one as well? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, let's take a step back. Now we know what you do. How did we get into this? Where did you start it? Uh, well, I've been doing this for close to 20 years now. Wow. And I started doing it mainly because if you look at treatment from a healthcare perspective for those with chronic disease, whether it's um, depression or high blood pressure or high cholesterol or even type 2 diabetes from a healthcare perspective we don't we do a terrible job of helping people get better with those conditions mm-hmm. and all you really need to know to, to validate that is if someone gets diagnosed with a chronic condition they start taking medication and then they take it basically for the rest of their life all right so their medicine runs out uh, and then they have to either go back to the pharmacy to get it refilled or go back to the doctor to get another prescription. Yeah, it seems like written. everybody's worried about fixing the symptoms and not figuring out where the root of the problem is. Right, right. And so I had a um, a keen understanding of, of diabetes and, and how it worked. And um, I, um, you know, I had some personal experience uh, in that regard with my mom who died of complications of, of type 2 diabetes. Sorry to hear that. And uh, it's a really a nasty condition that we, as a healthcare system, could do much better at helping people. Well, and would you say that that's fully controllable for people that have type two or that are close and, to and, it? In almost a hundred percent of the cases, uh, it's a lifestyle condition. Yeah. And so, rather than getting the the right type of instruction from their healthcare provider, whether that's their doctor. Uh, the physician assistant, nurse practitioner, or dietitian, they don't get that. Um, they get a lot of different stuff, and they're very confused about what they should be doing. And the only thing they fall back on doing is taking their medication, which 
uh, addresses, like you said earlier, a symptom of the problem and not the not cause the, of the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Where did you go to school at? Did, where you, did you take medical classes? Uh, I have a PhD in physiology from the University of Houston. Okay. Yeah. Are you from Houston? Nope. I'm from South Texas. Okay. Where at? Whereabouts? Um, a small town called Floresville is where I went to high school. And okay. It's about an hour south of San Antonio. Okay. And when was it that you made your way to Houston? Was it? Uh, it was either 93 or 94. Um, the year the Rockets won their first championship. <laughs> that was, I don't know if that was 93 or 94. I, I don't remember either. My son would know. <laughs> what, were you partying on Richmond Avenue in the half? No, I was living up at uh, 45 and 1960 at the time. And I just got to town maybe a month or so, like January of that year. Gotcha. And I was watching the Rockets game the playoff game i think and oj simpson chase broke in on the game oh yeah so whenever that was i had been in town maybe three months gotcha i'll never forget the i mean houston the whole city just shut down as one big party on every street it was absolutely crazy and they won three years in a row yeah i was i mean uh, thankfully i wasn't i was nowhere near the galleria area yeah (laughs) i I was in the thick of it (laughs) (laughs) i can assure you i was up on 45 in 1960 and that was close enough for me. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so you decided to go to college here and get the PhD. Yeah, I got my ba- yeah I got my bachelor's from a small private school. Uh, at the time, it was called TLC or Texas Lutheran College. Okay, it's now called TLU. Uh, then I got my master's degree from it used to be Southwest Texas State. Uh, it's now Texas State. And then I ended up finishing my doctoral degree at U of H. Gotcha. And from there, that's when I worked at NASA for about six years. What'd you do at NASA? Well, I wasn't a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded good for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I worked in the, the astronaut health division or department. And okay. So there's a, that's a big um, area. I can imagine. Research. So were you kind of monitoring and researching the behaviors and health of the astronauts? or? Yeah, so there was a a few different things going on in our our area uh some of it vision related uh, after exposure to to long long-term zero gravity or long-term space flight uh vascular problems the so circulatory problems um, what happens when there's no gravity and, and that's an important thing because half of your circulatory system is based on gravity so if, if you go to space and there's no gravity how does that react i'd never think about that yeah and so there's uh several different little projects like that that um our our kind of division uh worked on when i i was there and the i mean it was it was a lot of cool things of of working at nasa and um john glenn the last time he went to space when he i think he was 78 then he did one of our experiments so everyone in our lab got to meet him that's amazing so that was nice i have an autographed picture of him somewhere that's cool so he he took it gave it to all of us really cool so was it after that six years that you decided to start hpi well um not long after that after that i I was a professor at the university of houston and got tired of being a professor and so then i started hpi all right uh, perfect after that so well let's dive in a little bit more tell me what at all the hpi does so those are the two main things we do okay um uh, working with individuals and, and employers to help their employees. And, and the reason we do that, uh, from, a, from a healthcare perspective, the reason we do that is, uh, there, and there's a growing number of, of doctors uh, in the field that 
realized that we're not doing a very good job of, of treating people with these conditions. And, you know, I'm focused on, on, on diabetes and prediabetes. And so there's a, a, a bunch of us that are doing what I'm doing. Uh, so I'm not like a, uh, a maverick or, or anything like that. Uh, but I've been doing it for a while. Well, it seems like there's a lot of people trying to change the healthcare business yeah. um, as far as how to take care of people and go after the root of the problem and not just well, there's medication. A, yeah, there's a significant number of doctors that are forming different types of practices, concierge medicine, um, uh, other like on-site clinics where a doctor's not technically on-site, but he's helping a, a group of employers within a two or three lo- two or three block uh, radius, those kinds of things. And um, cash pay uh, doctors that are starting to pop up. And really that's a, that's in response to the the regulations that are really choking uh, doctors. Where do you see the industry as a whole right now? Where do you see it going? Um, The healthcare industry? Uh, Well, I see it as a total mess. uh, Number (laughs) one. And, um, I mean, it's it's unsustainable. I mean, it's the average increase in costs is far outpaces inflation. Uh, it's the number one reason for bankruptcy and in, in people that are retired. Uh, Healthcare and, costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my father's retiring, or he just recently did, and that was his number one thing that he was talking about: is how much his medical bills are, how far away he is from the hospitals, like right. all of these medical related issues is yeah. what he based his retirement on where he was going to live, even what state he was going to be in, right. the climate, the altitude, all of these things were all a hundred percent related to his health. And that was his first reason, uh, for choosing some of these things. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just ridiculous. And, you know, people are on a, a plan sponsored by their employer and, you know, it may cost them seven or $800 a month out of their paycheck. But then when you add up all the co-pays and the deductibles and everything else, they're coming out of pocket fifteen dollars to $20,000 just to get any kind of treatment or care. It's that, expensive. I've got that, four that, kids between myself, my wife, and my four kids. Yeah. I mean, that shit adds up quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, it's, you know, but back to what I do, uh, the thing that really annoys me is that uh, – as expensive as healthcare is, few people realize that diabetes is the most expensive condition to have and to treat. Uh, if someone has it for a significant number of years, those costs pile up, and it's more expensive than any number of cancer diagnoses that you you, you know everyone knows that cancer is expensive, and you hear about it all the time. Sure, but. Very few people hear about how expensive diabetes is. Or are talking about it. Or are talking about it. And uh, every employer, if they were to look at their books uh, and more closely examine their health care spend, diabetes would be, type 2 diabetes uh, specifically, would be one of the two or three most expensive things in their whole health care plan. I'm not. I'm familiar with it on a right. surface level, mm-hmm. uh, but for myself as well as others that want to know more details, what is diabetes and what's the difference between the different types? Is is there enough time to yeah. get a brief description yeah, of that? Yeah, and I can cover it from a from a 
a level where I think people can walk away with an understanding. Yeah, that'd be amazing. So there's basically two types. Um, there's a couple of others. Uh, type one and a half is, is out there too. But uh, the, there's really two types that encompass 99.9% .9 of all cases. There's type one and type two. Uh, a very simple delineation between yeah. the two uh, types of, of diabetes. Um, type one used to be called uh, what we refer to as um, juvenile onset diabetes because people with type 1 diabetes were typically diagnosed as kids. Type 2 used to be called adult onset diabetes because you didn't get diagnosed with that type till you were uh, an adult. Now people are getting diagnosed with type 2 at any number of ages that you wouldn't consider an adult. So now we call it uh, type 2. Uh, for both of those, there's a problem with the metabolism of blood sugar or glucose. In type 1, well, be before I get into those, we have a, a, a the main hormone in our body that helps regulate blood sugar is insulin. So if we eat something and our blood sugar goes up, insulin's job is to go out and activate cells in our body to help reduce blood sugar. That's okay. circulating in our blood. If you're a type 1 diabetic, you either produce no insulin or very little to, to help get the job done. So your blood sugar is out of control. Okay. And that's why type 1s typically end up with what's called an insulin pump. And it monitors their blood sugar and, and releases insulin. You know, as needed. Yeah, as needed. And is that built inside the body, the, the pump? Well, they'll usually get uh, inserted under the skin somewhere. Uh, could be on the arm, leg, or hips or stomach. Okay. Uh, could be anywhere. Uh, now, in type 2s, uh, type 2 diabetes, it's called insulin resistance. So, uh, and what that means is the current thinking, which I don't really agree with, is that the insulin that your body's producing is resistant to doing its job. So you, you've got these two types of diabetics. You've got type one where you don't produce mm -hmm. any insulin. And you've got these the others that are type twos. They're producing insulin. It just doesn't work. Okay. And so both of these have chronically elevated blood sugar levels. The type one gets an insulin pump, and that helps reduce uh, blood sugar. The type twos, they typically get some other type of um, – uh, oral medication, prescription medication to help control their blood sugar. Okay. And so instead of fixing the insulin problem, they're taking medicine to control the blood sugar levels. Right. That's exactly right. And so when you're a type 2, if you're not doing anything to address why the blood sugar's elevated or why uh, the insulin's not working, then all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. Yeah, you're not fixing the root of the problem. Right. And... And so this is a big uh, driver uh, of mine because uh, there's, uh, there's plenty of people that know it, that know this, and it just doesn't, it hasn't made its way. To mainstream. In, well, and into the treatment plans yet. And so. What do you really, think that's part of the healthcare system where healthcare, you know, seems like it's more about making money than it is about really fixing the root of the problem? Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So, um, you know, if 
the best cure for a type two diabetic isn't the pharmaceutical product it's to eat healthy and get in shape. It's a, it's a lifestyle yeah. prescription. So, um, if you look, if you just go back and look over the last 10 or 15 years, uh, diabetes prescription medications and insulin in particular are some of the most frequently prescribed and most expensive drugs globally. And so if you can give someone a lifestyle prescription that gets them off those medications, then the people selling those drugs don't like that very much. Sure. And so I think there's, uh, I think there's a big problem. I agree. With, with that. And, and, it's and, I, and over the years, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth between, I get mad at the pharmaceutical companies, get mad at the doctors. Um, but I think that, I think that from my perspective, the, the biggest culprit in all of this is the FDA because they control, absolutely. They control all of this. It's and what the, comes in your body. Well, and they, they, they set guidelines for medications and, and phase one and two and three trials for a drug to get to market and what the, what the drug should be doing and, and all these other things. And they're kind of dictating what happens. And so people with chronic conditions and, and diabetes in particular, they get dictated that nothing really improves on their health. They just, you know, pump a bunch of cash into the system to, to get some medicine out of the Pez dispenser and, and, and keep, keep going. Yeah. And that's a significant problem because the other thing that's really uh, a major issue with me is that when, when a, a person takes a medicine to reduce their blood sugar, all it's doing is reducing their blood sugar. There's, there's no kind of behavioral action behind that. And you need a behavioral action behind that to also reduce your insulin levels. Hmm. Chronically elevated insulin levels are bad for the body. So if you know any type two diabetic and so you're taking medicine to drop the blood sugar, but you're not taking anything to drop the insulin levels. And so it's then it's going to be off balance. Right. And, you're, and that's, that's bad for every tissue in your body. Gotcha. For it to be chronically elevated. And so if it's likely that you probably know someone that's type two diabetic, even though you don't know who has it. Cause it's, sure. cause it's basically 50% of a, adults uh, in the United States. And do you see that, you know, with obesity or overweight typically yeah. just, yeah, because if you look, uh, insulin resistance and I don't really, I said earlier, I don't really like that term, but insulin resistance starts bef in most people before they're overweight, uh, before they're diabetic, uh, before they have high blood pressure, uh, before a lot of these other chronic conditions. And so it starts, that's kind of the thing that, kind of the first domino to fall to, to allow everything else to fall into place to to be diagnosed with type 2 diabetes cancer some form of heart disease and five to ten years what are the, the symptoms of being diabetic well for for type 2 diabetes um, sometimes people don't even know until they they go almost go into what's called a diabetic coma their blood sugar gets so high and they up in the you know, they, they pass out and they end up in the emergency room and 
your blood sugar was 560. Um, and so you're a diabetic. Uh, and some people that doesn't happen. They'll just rapidly and unwillingly lose a lot of weight. Uh, and, and the reason they're doing that is because the, the blood sugar, when your blood sugar goes up and you're diabetic and your body doesn't have anything, your body wants to reduce this blood sugar and it, it wants to either store it as uh, glycogen, which is a storage form of carbohydrate, or convert it to fat, stored in the fat tissue. Well, if it doesn't have any place to put it, then it dumps it into your kidneys and you start peeing, uh, peeing it out everywhere. And so when you've got a lot of blood sugar or your blood sugar is really high and you've got to do this a lot, then uh, people that are type 2 diabetic tend to be really thirsty all the time because they're urinating all the time, sure. um, hunger all the time, uh, being unable to be satisfied from a, a meal that you've eaten, uh, uh, an inability to to be satiated. So if somebody thinks they have some of these symptoms, they want to get checked out, what's the easiest, quickest, most cost-effective way to see if you're diabetic too? Um, well, I think the if they want to just find out on their own, they could go to, depending on where they live, there's uh, all these little clinics or, or um, these little health store kind of things inside the grocery stores. Yep. Uh, and they can just get a simple blood sugar test okay, uh, and see what it is. And if it's over 175, the, the numbers are 126 and above. Uh-huh. Um, but if they go and it's and anything can really af, uh, influence that, food or stress or anything like that. But if it's over, say, 150 or 175, then they probably should think about getting a follow-up test from a doctor and seeing if they need to be diagnosed. Um, and then follow some kind of lifestyle plan where they don't need to take medicine forever. Tell me what it is that HPI does when it comes into businesses or with individuals. How does your company help combat this or how do you help people, businesses and companies? And are you an alternative to healthcare or are you something that healthcare has to be there? So you're just something in addition to, to try to help resolve the problem. Uh, that's a, a really good question. And we're not an alternative to healthcare. We're, we're kind of like a supplement uh, for, for employers. We would we would say we were were a supplement to to any of the offerings that they have for their employees in terms of um, you know wellness options or or health improvement okay. type of options. So trying to get corporate businesses to bring you on as a additional option or something mm -hmm. else in their portfolio to offer their staff. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. Yeah, um, and and basically, I have a whole. I mean, I started this program when I was at NASA, and I have a whole kind of behavioral curriculum uh, that I've written that goes over how and why the body gets hungry, the different kinds of exercises that you should be doing, proteins, fats, carbohydrates, sleep, stress all of those topics uh, that should be covered that give people specific steps on what, what, whatever that topic is on what they should be doing uh, so they can get you, better. You give them a curriculum to follow. Yeah. yeah. And if for companies that are watching this and, and big corporate that's yeah. out there, how do they acquire you? What is the process? You know, when you come into those establishments, is it a, 
three-month process? Is it annual? Is it residual? Uh, what does that look like? Everything is custom. Okay. <laughs> so, so whatever they want and whatever they need and kind of whatever f- best fits their logistical needs. Um, but in terms of the curriculum, kind of a uh, most popular uh, model is for me to typically come out for half a day for a month uh, and, and coach or do a presentation uh, for those that are enrolled in the, in the program. And when they're enrolled, they get on our website, they get a username and password, there's videos, there's all kinds of stuff there that keeps them going. Uh, but me going out on site is kind of a supplement to that to get, get a person in front of their face so that they can ask maybe questions that they didn't want to email in or they didn't want to post in the, the, our private Facebook group or, or whatever the case may be. And I want to make sure I heard you right. You said you go out half a day once per month or? Well, that's day. kind of the typical one. And, okay. and we could do a, a you know, if it's a really big company and we want to do a full day, we can. Okay. It, we it, have and we can do It that. sounded to me when I originally heard it, I consumed it as you come out half a day every single day for a month. Oh, no. But <laughs> you come out, basically, you come out for the day once a month yeah. and talk to the team and the staff yeah. and educate them. Yeah. And, uh, whoever's in the program, they all have questions. They're all confused. And or they want to make sure they're doing something correctly or whatever. That's great. I mean, to and me, it sounds like an alternative option to get healthy. Yeah. yeah and we, and Not supplemental necessarily, but it could be alternative in many yeah. ways. Yeah. In fact, I just got an email last week. What's today? Friday. So maybe it was Monday. I get them all the time, but a, a, a lady was very skeptical of our ability for this program to help. And when she started her there's another metric that doctors use to kind of track people. It's called A1C. And when she started, her A1C was 8.8 or 8.9. And then almost three months into the program, it was 6.2, I think, which is almost non-diabetic in three months. Wow. So she was pretty excited. And I told her, you should be doing backflips. Yeah. And... And she was like, well, okay, maybe I'm more excited about this. And then her, her endocrinologist said, is this really a real number? And so she, she got validation externally from me and then her endocrinologist. And um, so she, then she got more excited about it. I but. can imagine. <laughs> what kind of, you know, and that is a great success story, and it's yeah. great to hear that. How many companies have you worked with over the years? How well, many people have you helped heal and get from being diabetic to non-existent? Uh, t- to be non-existent, uh, it's really hard for them to erase well, that. Let me rephrase that, the question. <laughs> no, but if they get off of their me- to, to get off of their medications, it's uh, it's fairly easy. The, the The medication that I'm most successful with is insulin. It's a hundred percent success rate. Okay. For a type two diabetic, and that's really the most important one because that's the most expensive. One. Yeah. And forgive my ignorance for asking the questions. It's okay. Um, but I want to, you know, kind of see what you've done in the past, what companies, yeah. how many people, and, and just general terms. Yeah. Uh, because I want to see, you know. Over, it's been over 20 companies um, in the last 20 years, or almost 20 years. It's been averaging 1,000 to 1,200 per year. And I mean, but, those are amazing numbers of people that are getting help. Yeah, and but it's a just a drop in the bucket sure. compared to what's needed. So, um, but... Uh, you know, not, not all of those are type two or pre-diabetic. There's because 
the focus is on anyone that is um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or anybody that wants to do it. The most most of them just happen to be uh, type two diabetic, and that's kind of the focus I have. Uh, um, yeah. One of the presentations I give a lot is why everyone needs to act like they're type two diabetic. So whether they have it or not, whether they're high blood pressure or not, whether they're completely healthy or not, uh, they need to live a life like they are type two diabetic. So they prevent almost all of these other things because insulin resistance, like I was mentioning earlier, the insulin resistance starts when people are still healthy. They're not obese. Their blood sugars are normal, but that's kind of the thing that starts. And if you, if you look at studies that track people for five to seven to 10 years, when their insulin uh, resistance starts to increase, when everything is quote unquote normal, the number one thing they're diagnosed with seven to 10 years down the road is high blood pressure. It's not even diabetes, even though diabetes is called insulin resistance. Yeah. So Isn't it's crazy. Yeah. It really has its fingers in a lot of different conditions. Can you point your finger to things specifically that are causing this to happen? Uh, that's a big question. <laughs> I mean, I'd say diet, obviously, but but diet is the most important thing that needs to be addressed. And is that what mostly corrects this problem? Yeah. And and yeah. I think that corrects most problems in the healthcare uh, with I, I ailments think, and illnesses. Is what you you know what right. God gave you to put into your whether you're religious or not. What grows out of the earth you put in your body, yeah. you're going to be a lot better than all of this other bullshit that they have on the shelves. Right. Uh, uh, diet is the most important thing. I mean, you can't you can't get around that. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's I think there's too big of a focus on counting calories, and not enough of a focus on the quality of food that people eat. Yeah, the quality of the calories that you're bringing in. Right. And right, because you can you can eat a pound of a one pound T bone that's 600 calories. And loaded in vitamins and minerals and and healthy fats, uh, or you could eat three pieces of pizza that has 600 calories. That the people that are proponents of counting calories would say they're identical. Yeah, I would say they're nothing alike, even though the calories are the same. And and we have this 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 huge and massive focus that it's all about the calories, and it's not. It just the quality and the types of food that people eat are more important absolutely than counting the calories and if you eat the right way you you this is one of the things that i talk about in the hunger modules uh, you get less hungry so you can eat less food and you don't have to have you don't have to be fighting willpower all day every day yeah no i mean it's calories are one thing uh, and counting calories is good if you're trying to stay within your 2,000 roughly a day calorie thing uh, intake. But as you said, I mean, you can eat a Snickers bar or you can eat a salad. They're both 600 calories. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what are you going to be yeah. better? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to imply they're not important. It's just that there's... Well, you're implying that there's the, too quality much of, the quality of food is what makes a difference. What right. you're putting in your body is what you get out of it. Yeah absolutely yeah makes sense to me yeah so that's the that's the number one thing and i think um i mean exercise obviously is an important thing sure you ask anyone 
what do you need to do to lose weight? They're going to tell you that I need to eat less food and do more exercise. And um, the eat less food part's kind of a good thing. It implies you could eat whatever you want, just eat less of it. That's a whole. That's a whole other uh, issue. Yeah. But but nobody's going to argue with with exercise. But I think there's not enough focus on on sleep for uh, people and how important it is to 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 an individual's health. I mean. My wife knows that all too well. <laughs> there are a lot of professional teams now that are uh, really harping on and bringing in sleep experts and adjusting schedules for practice and travel uh, so that their players can sleep better. Uh, you know, here in Houston, uh, Justin Verlander is a huge proponent of sleep. And he is constantly on the guy's to make sure that they stay in bed longer and sleep more instead of being, you know, the typical 23-year-old multimillionaire out staying out all night. Yeah. <laughs> so, but he is constantly on those guys about making sure that they um, – It makes sleep. sense. Eat healthy, stay physical, Yeah. get your sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing against personal trainers um, because they all are specific to what they do and many yeah. of them are niche. Yeah. But it's like – People that want to get in shape, there's no miracle pill you can get at GMC. There's no miracle drug out there. You're not going to go get with a specific trainer and learn how to, you know, get back. It's eat healthy and exercise. Yeah. Eat well. Get your sleep, as you said, but mainly eat the right things. Cut out all the bullshit. Eat the X amount of calories per day and exercise. And you'll get your body healthy. Yeah, and I think the other thing, uh, not the other thing, but something to kind of tag along to that, that this kind of discussion around calories. I'm sure this statistic is the same for, I don't know, maybe close to 10 years. I, I, I researched it, and the number was, the, the top three things were always the same, so I got tired of looking. But the 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 top three ingredients sold in the average grocery store throughout the United States were soybean oil, wheat flour, and high fructose corn syrup. And if you think about food products and those three things, they're in almost every product that you buy in a box or a plastic bag. I mean, everything whether it's ranch dressing, uh, a cake in a box, loaf of bread, bag of chips. Those three ingredients in some combination are in just about everything we buy. And those three things are really bad for our, yeah. for our health um, because of, in terms of soybean oil and what it does to, uh, to our bodies at the cellular level in terms of uh, inflammation and those kinds of things it's really something people should be very aware of, of how much of that they're consuming and sure. reduce it i get it um and the wheat flour not so much from from my perspective a lot of people are anti-gluten and all these other things yeah um I am. I, i'm i'm more of i have this term called metabolic sugar so even though something doesn't taste sweet it's going to disrupt your blood sugar, and wheat flour does that tremendously. So I'm more anti the wheat flour because of what it does to your blood sugar than 
a lot of people who are anti-wheat flour because of gluten. Gotcha. Makes sense. And, and then, of course, is, sugar is sugar. And I'm assuming this is all part of what you're training everybody on yeah. with HPI when you go into the businesses or one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find you if they want to bring you on in their business model and um, have you come on in? Well, uh, there's really two ways they can reach me. One is through my uh, website, com. Okay. And the other is they can talk to their broker, whoever designs their health benefits plan, because I have good relationships with many brokers in the Houston area. Gotcha. Amazing. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your it. story, and uh, telling us a lot more about how to get healthy and diabetes, too. Yeah. And uh, I know I need to get my ass in shape, started being a little bit more healthy. Um, well, you don't. You certainly don't want to get diabetes because then you get what I call the you get stuck on the healthcare treadmill. You get you get on here and you get closer and closer. Then you get diagnosed with taking medicine and you're getting in this this hole that you can't get out of. Yeah, just renewing, renewing, renewing. Keep taking, keep taking, and then you know, fifteen years down the road, you go, "Damn, my foot hurts," or "I've got problems with my vision," or you end up on dialysis, or. So you said you're kicking a can down the street. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing for us how to be preventative. Um, Appreciate y'all tuning in. This is Brian Skula. We'll put his information below so you can reach out to him. If you're on a business, you're in corporate, or even personal, you're looking for somebody to come in and consult and help a little bit, this is going to be your person. I'm Jonathan Wiseman. This is another episode of The Grit. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Be sure y'all subscribe, hit that notification bell, and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, guys.